Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Well, good morning again. It's good to see you. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good today. Yeah, and and go ahead, do the other one so they don't feel left out. You look good today. We welcome those of you that are watching online. We got so many people from so many different places today. We just rejoice with you, and we rejoice that some of you are getting back to church. I know in the last service we had a lady say, since COVID, this is the first time I've been back, and it's been awesome. So uh, we hope that if you've been holding out, come on back, all right? It's good to see you today. Well, if you have your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you use for a Bible, would you hold it up and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we come to you today, and we just rejoice as... uh, As uh, Andrea and Jennifer were just saying that your power, your presence, we receive your truth, your word, Lord, and we see freshly today with new eyes as you lead us and guide us. Lord, I'm depending on you for the anointing today and Holy Spirit, I'm thanking you and I ask you to Lord to help me to say exactly what you want me to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And I pray at the end of the day that our hearts will be open, Lord, and that you will be glorified, the saints will be edified, and the devil be terrified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's a great day. This is Pentecost Sunday. Isn't that awesome? Pentecost Sunday happened 50 days after Easter, 50 days after Easter. It was the celebration of feast, and on that day, the Lord poured out his Holy Spirit, He told his disciples, I'm going to send you another just like me. The word another is the Greek word alos, which means one just like me. And he was saying, I can't be everywhere at the same time, but the Holy Spirit will be with you. I love this verse, Acts 2. This is what it's all about. Look at the screen today. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven. Like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. It wasn't like a windstorm. It was like that. I mean, they they couldn't really explain it. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like, there it is again, looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, everyone present, everyone present was filled with Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. When I think about day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, also the day that the church was started and birthed. On that day when Peter preached that powerful sermon and thousands of people gave their heart to the Lord, it's worthy of our attention that on the day that the church was born and birthed, also the Holy Spirit came and empowered those that were there with a language and an ability that they never studied before. I think we need to capture heaven's viewpoint concerning Holy Spirit. We call our prayer language, heavenly language, our devotional tongue. Not what Uncle Billy Bob thought about Holy Spirit, 
not what the church that you came from thought about the Holy Spirit. A lot of you came from churches that believed in what they call a cessation doctrine. And that was that the Holy Spirit is no longer, and the gifts of the Spirit are no longer for today. Well, I'm not a sensationalist, a cessationist, and I'm not a sensationalist. Some of you come from churches that was sensational. Every week had to be sensational more than the last one. It had to be louder, it had to be more fiery, it had to be there. So I, either extreme is not the extreme that we want to be, but he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost when the church was birthed. Birth. So listen to me clearly. Father certainly wouldn't have allowed anything unworthy, unlovely, unlovingly, or on accident to happen on the day of Pentecost. It was the day in which that he sent a supernatural gift of language. We call that, people call it speaking in tongues. We call it a spiritual prayer language. And uh, we have several teachings you can go back. I'm not going to defend any of those today and look back at those, but that's just who we are. We believe that we are a spirit-empowered church. And we believe that uh, a prayer language, praying in tongues. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Some of you came from a church, 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Some of you came from churches that forbid that because they were confused about, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about the abuse that the Corinthians had with their prayer language, the Holy Spirit. There's a difference in the gifts of the Spirit and our devotional prayer time. In fact, in all of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this. He said, I pray in spirit more than all of you, and I wish that you all would do the same. And then he says, don't forbid. Now, what he's saying is, don't forbid in your personal prayer time this supernatural gift that God has given us to pray in the spirit. Now, we have order here. We abide by 1 Corinthians 14 of order. I think most people here do a great job. We follow the stage. If the stage is very exuberant and loud and praising, we say, go ahead and go for it, man. You know, just let her rip. But if it gets quiet and reserved, what do we do? We get quiet and reserved before the Lord. Uh, some of us came from Pentecostal churches. Some of us came from, if anything ever got quiet, somebody had to say something, right? Somebody had to do something. Sometimes scare the bejesus out of you uh, because it was so quiet and so wonderful. So we're just simply saying, we're not a sensational church that we've got to top every week, but neither are we a cessationist that says it's no longer, it's ceased. We're saying, if the Bible says it's real, and if Paul says, don't forbid that, then I'm going to develop my theology, not from man's opinion, but from what my heavenly father. Jesus prophesied it, the father intended it, the Holy Spirit enabled it, and the church received it. What you have to realize is there's some recent research came out from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary and the Empowered 21 Network, and it's research on the Pentecostal charismatic spirit-filled life. And let me give you some of these statistics. From 1990 to 2020, spirit-empowered Christianity, that's people that believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, grew at nearly four times the growth rate of both, both Christianity and the world's population. Currently, spirit-empowered believers 
comprise one quarter of the entire Christian community, which is expected to grow to one third by the year 2050, if we're still here. Asia and Oceania experienced the most rapid growth of spirit-empowered Christianity. However, spirit-empowered population of Africa is expected to grow more quickly within the next 30 years. Today, the countries with the most spirit-empowered Christians are Brazil, the United States, and Nigeria. Whereas in 1900, the nations with the most were South Africa, Nigeria, and the United States. Around the world, the churches that are growing the fastest don't necessarily have a Pentecostal or a charismatic name, but they're open to the freedom of the Holy Spirit working in their life. Books are coming out. The, 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 the God I never knew, talking about the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're equal. They work together. And so in our life, we should be open to all of those now, I have a series that we did most recently called I've Got the Power. You can go back to our archives and find that, or you can go to thefathershouse.com forward slash power, and you can listen to that entire series. And we'll be doing another series on Holy Spirit very soon. And right now, back in Growth Track, which happens the first, second, third, and fourth Sunday of every month, they're doing Holy Spirit. So if you haven't been to Growth Track, let me encourage you to do that. We're a church that believes that the Holy Spirit is for us today, and God has equipped us in that area. Sadly, I think sometimes we have just sort of looked over or thought, maybe that's for somebody else, not me. I'm not one of those spiritual, spiritual, spiritual people. But the Holy Spirit is for us. Now, I know you're beginning to think, I thought we was in a series on dreams. And now here we're over on the Holy Spirit. Well, we are in a series of dreams, and I said to you, we're designed to live lives of purpose and embrace our God-given dreams. So today I want to show you how the Spirit-empowered life helps us live our God dreams that He has given us. By raising of your hand in this series, how many weeks have we been going? I don't know, six, seven weeks, something like that? Uh, this is the eighth. Wow, this is really long. You should have got this by now, all right? <laughs> How many of you would say, during this series, my God-given dreams have been revived, restored, reignited, or I've had a greater passion about achieving my God-given dreams? Would you raise your hand if that's you? I mean, we've loved these testimonies, right? But here's what I also know. There's some of you that are sitting here and watching online. In your mind, you're saying, I, I don't know. I don't know what my God-given dream is. I, I was really inspired by all the testimonies. They really helped me. But then I went home, driving home, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? Why don't I see my God-given dream? Am I like a chopped liver? You know, I mean, is there, is there something wrong with me that God can't do that for me? I just sort of feel like I'm blind and not able to see my God-given dream. So several weeks ago, the Lord reminded me of John chapter 9. If you'll turn there, we're going to look at a passage because some of you can identify with this passage because when it comes to your dreams, you sort of feel like I'm, I'm blind. It's not something that I used to have. 
This man was born blind. He's never been able to see. So look at this. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. I, I love this. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind. The man didn't cry out, have to cry out to Jesus, but Jesus saw his condition. I submit to you that you never get lost in a crowd when you're where Jesus is. Jesus today looks at you and he sees where you are and he knows those of you who have said in the last several weeks, but I just don't know my dream. I just don't see my dream. I don't know where it is. I don't know how it comes about. And I'm telling you, it's not an accident that you're here today. He wants you to know that he's about to open your eyes to help you with that God-given dream. So his disciples ask him, saying, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? We always, when we find something less than, we always want to find somebody to blame. Even those of you who maybe not see your dream that God has given you, you don't understand your purpose, you don't understand what that is. The enemy will come to you and say, well, that's because you, you, you're less than. That's because you're not close enough to God. That's because you don't pray right. That's because you haven't done this and you haven't done something else. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming and no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then when he had said these things, he sped up a loogie on the ground. I just wanted to wake up some of you, right? He sped on the ground and he made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. You, you, you got to see that picture. He just, he just puts that clay all over his eyes. And then listen to what he says. You, you. You go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. And he went and washed and he came back seeing. I look at that and it's not like Jesus said, now I'm going to take you by the hand. Jesus did something that was so impactful for him. And he said, now I want you to go. You see, there's an element of faith and expectancy in everything that God has for us. Even, even in our prayer language and the Holy Spirit in our life, there's a level of faith and expectancy. Jesus tells him, now we don't know if he stumbled. We don't know if he asked somebody the directions. All we know is that he obeyed what he had heard from Jesus. And when he did, he washed his eyes. And for the first time in his life, it's like CJ was sharing with us this week of her grandson has, had been not hearing. And they'd put the uh, tubes in his ears. And they warned the family, as soon as he gets those tubes and everything starts working, everything is going to sound super loud because he's not used to all that. You're going to have to worry about that. But can you imagine this man that's never seen anything? He's never seen color. He's never seen sunset. He's never seen his own face. He's never seen the face of his loved ones. And there he is. And he goes and obeys the Lord. And he washes and he comes back and he is seeing. Wow. Now, look what Jesus did. Jesus, first of all, he doesn't just say be healed, but it's critical. It's critical when you can't see something that you need to understand what Jesus did here. Jesus did something here so that as we're sitting here today worrying about how can I see my dreams? How, how can I see my God-given purpose and destiny? He's saying something to us today. First of all, 
Jesus spat on the ground. Now, what's in your spit? You know, I know it germs and all those things. But even more than that, your DNA is in your saliva. I mean, they run tests from your saliva about your DNA and things that are wrong with you. So here's Jesus. He takes his DNA and he spits his DNA into the earth. He goes back to the original. Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Well, instead of saliva, God breathed into man. But I want you to see the significance. Jesus took, you see, sometimes with our own DNA, we're not able to see what God is doing. So Jesus needs to get his DNA of who that we really are in Christ. You see, my identity is not who I am in myself. My identity is who am I in Christ? So he had his DNA. He spit it into the ground. Why the ground? Because he's going back to the original. He's going back to the original purpose of God creating. Remember Jesus? Remember David said, before you formed me in my mother's womb, you knew me? Jeremiah said, he said, before you were born, I had a purpose and a destiny for you. So when you see this story, you see what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I'm going to put my DNA in you and I'm going to take you back to the original purpose that I created for you. You see, here's what the Lord is saying. It's time for you to move in to who you already are. It's time for you to move into who you already are. You see, before you were ever born, he had a purpose, he had a destiny, he had a God-given dream for you to fulfill. I I love this, Ephesians 2 and 10 in the Amplified Bible. For we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art. Look around people there. They're a work of art, right? Work of art. Renewed, transformed for good works, which God prepared us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life. Look at this. He prearranged and made ready for us. In this passage, it says he took his DNA, put the clay, put that all together. And he's saying to us, I'm not going to just do something now. It starts now. I'm going to go back to before you were ever born. Before you were ever created, the Bible says he, he has written all of our days in his book. And he says, look, it's time for you to be who you already are. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you say, you know what? You're right. I can't see my God-given dream. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. Now, how, Terry, how does all this hook together with Holy Spirit, my prayer language, my devotional tongue? How does this all hook together? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Anybody felt weak lately? When I watch the news, I feel weak. When I hear stories of people in crisis, I feel weak because I don't know what to do. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. See, some of you have said, Terry, I I don't even know how to pray about my God-given dream. Where do I start? Where do I begin? I I, I don't know how to do that. I I don't even know where to begin. And and Paul is saying, you're in luck. Not luck, but you're blessed. Because Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit. 
For I don't know how to pray for as I ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He said sometimes it's just a groan that the Spirit makes within us that God understands what that is. And then he says, now he who searches, the hearts knows, he knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He says, look, sometimes it's just a groan like, oh God, I don't know what to do. And he said, do you realize that's Holy Spirit within you? And he knows what is the heart and the mind of God. And he knows your heart. And he's using those groans to communicate with God. And then he says, but there are times that he intercedes through you in your prayer language. So we have a fill in today in your notes if you keep taking notes. And here it is. Open your eyes to Holy Spirit. Open your eyes to Holy Spirit. So I'm going to say today, open your eyes to your prayer language, to the heavenly language. And your DNA, your destiny will now be accessible. I believe that I can pray according to the will of God when I pray in my prayer language. Jesus didn't give us his spit, but he did give us his spirit. And uh, in, in the growth track, we have that for you every week that you can do on the fourth. But I want to share with you some personal things that I know. Listen, you're not more saved if you utilize a prayer language. You're not more holy if you pray in tongues. Everybody understand that? Because, I mean, we've seen some goofy people that pray in tongues, and you sure don't want to be like them, Right? I mean, there, there are those. The Holy Spirit didn't make them goofy. They were goofy before Holy Spirit, all right? And you're saying, I've never met like that. Well, then, hmm, maybe you're the one. But I want you to hear that because sometimes people begin grading on a scale. Well, I'm more saved than you are because I have a real deep prayer language. You're not more saved. But I guess Sean and I were talking earlier, and he's a contractor builder. I said, I guess it would sort of be like, Sean, they have, uh, what do you call those nail hammers? What do you call them? Nail guns. guns. There it is, nail guns. But what if, hello, it's mother speaking. (laughs) It's always a good thing to shut your phone off when you come in on Sunday, so that's good. It's like you go in the doctor's office, they say, please silence your phone. So unless it's God calling, you should silence your phone. And if he's calling, I want to hear what he's saying, all right? <laughs> Not to embarrass anybody, it happens every week. It's happened to me before. So there you go. So Sean could easily say, you know, I like it the way it is. I know how to swing a hammer. I, I, I'm good. But other people say, man, you're, you're foolish. With that nail gun, you can do a whole lot more work in a short time. Why would, you, why would you not want to use that? See, there are people who say, well, I'm, I'm just not sure about my prayer language and all that. You know, I came from a church that taught against that. I came from a background, and I've seen weird and, and all that. It's sort of like when I took typing class, I took typing on the old typewriters that you had to push the thing. What's that called? The carriage. The carriage. Didn't that just wear you out? And it was hard. And the typewriters we have were ancient. You have to hit them hard sometimes. 
And then, and, and, and to, to, to change, you had to use an eraser, and I always ripped the paper. Or you'd use the white stuff, and they would say you could use that, and I'd mess that up. But now, I sit down to my computer, make a mistake, fix that. And it fixes it itself. So why would I want to go back to pump, pump, pump? And by the way, I was one of the fastest typists. I took typing one, two, and three because we had an Italian teacher that was beautiful. And most of us guys took that class. Yes, that's why I married an Italian, all right? But if there are benefits to the Holy Spirit and prayer language, why would I say no? Why, why would I be afraid that I'll mess up? So let me give you some advantages that I've found. Uh, number one, prayer language strengthens the believer when they pray. Sometimes we face challenges and I don't know how to pray and my faith is weak. First Corinthians 14 and four says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. He's not talking about somebody who gets up in church and gives out a word of, of, of a Holy Spirit and then there's an interpretation. He's talking about in your personal prayer time, in your devotion. When you pray in tongues, you're strengthened personally. Sometimes people say, well, you know, that, that's just, that just seems so selfish. Selfish? Weak or strengthened? Which one do you want to be? Jude 20 says this, but beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in Holy Spirit, building yourself up. There's never been a time, there's never been a time in my prayer time when I'm praying in the Spirit. I do it every day. There's never been a time when I finished that and got up and thought, I'm weaker now than I was when I started. I, I've been doing this since I was 12 and I'm 73. And I've never gotten up from a time of praying in the spirit that I didn't feel stronger than I did at the beginning. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen. Number two, the prayer language is mysterious. Mysterious. Verse 2, 14. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to whom? And the devil tells you, oh, you're just making it up. Tell him, I'm not talking to you. Since people won't be able to understand you, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit. But it will all be mysterious. That word mysterious there is the Greek word mysterion, which means secrets divinely revealed. Secrets divinely revealed. And so you don't know your God-given dream. Well, it says, if I read this right, that when I pray in the Spirit, what I thought was a mystery, a secret, it can be revealed in my prayer time, and I'll just know and understand. There is a mysterious element to having your prayer language. I mean, there's a mysterious element to being saved, right? How do you explain? Some of you, I mean, you were really bad before you became a Christian. I mean, bad, bad. And after you gave your heart to the Lord, you prayed that simple prayer. And the very next day or that afternoon, you started to do something. And within you, the Spirit said, no, 
That's not for you. It's nobody preaching. It's nobody telling you right or wrong. But you just knew that you weren't supposed to do that. That's a mystery. How did that happen? So here's what he's saying. Sometimes people begin to pray in their prayer language and they say a few phrases and because they don't understand it or because it doesn't, here's what we say. Well, it doesn't sound like a language to me. It sort of sounds like maybe gibberish. It just sounds like something a baby would make up. So it's, it's, it's probably just something, you know, we played a game when we was a kid. We all pray like, you know, play like we'd speak a language. And so probably that's what I'm doing. Listen, Jesus said, if you as an earthly father, when your son asked for bread, you'd never give him a rock. And if you, he asked for fish, you'd never give him a serpent. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So listen to me. When I pray and say, Lord, fill me with the spirit. Lord, give me my prayer language that I can pray. Here's what I've got to know. Jesus said, I won't give you a counterfeit. I won't let you be led astray. I'm going to give you the real, real, real deal. And the Lord will, and the devil will say to you, you're just making it up. Well, he said that to you when you got saved. Oh, you're just making it up. When Anita gave her heart to the Lord at 30-something, she's driving back to school, back to her job, and she said, the whole way I'm driving back, I'm thinking, what did I do? What did I do? Surely that's not right. I, I, what, what did I do? But her life changed. That's a mystery. How do you explain that, Tim? There's no way to explain that. How do you explain Holy Spirit coming into our life, speaking a language that we've never studied before? First uh, Corinthians 14 and 2 from the NIV says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries to God. My job is not to analyze my prayer language. My job is to receive my prayer language. I'm talking to God. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. When, when, I, when I'm praying in my prayer language, the Holy Spirit is coming in, and he's, he's speaking to Father God through this. And he's saying, many times, Father, Terry needs some help right now. I mean, he's, he's really struggling in this area. I know he's not perfect, but I know his heart is after you. And so I'm going to intercede for him right now. And as I'm praying in my prayer language, the Holy Spirit is interceding and talking to God about the need that I have in my life. So I'm just going to say, I mean, before I, before I get up here to preach, I spend a long time praying in my prayer language because I know that I can't do what God wants me to do without this fullness of the Spirit in my life. Number three, you cannot understand the prayer language with your mind. That's the issue of a lot of people. They try to figure out the Holy Spirit. That's like trying to figure out how you got saved. Verse 14 says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying but I don't understand what I'm saying. My spirit is, I don't understand what I'm saying. Why? Because it's, I really believe, people say, what language do you think we'll speak in heaven on the new heaven, the new earth? I believe we'll speak a heavenly language. God didn't speak to Abraham in Hebrew. When I get to heaven, I'm not speaking English or Hebrew. I think we can understand all those. But I think we'll go back to the original language, the original heavenly language that God gave. You ever thought about that? It wasn't until the Tower of Babel until they confused the languages 
But I believe through the coming of the Holy Spirit, he restored that heavenly language. And I believe that heavenly language is restored to us in our receiving our new language, a heavenly language coming from the Holy Spirit. So as I'm, I'm doing that, sometimes you, you, you say, well, I don't understand this. But sometimes you, you can actually pray in a known language. I was in Brecksville, Ohio once preaching and I was praying for someone at the end and I just felt, I just felt really motivated. It wasn't a corporate worship, it was a prayer time to pray in, 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 the, in the spirit because I didn't know really how to pray for this lady. And as I'm praying, as I began to pray in my prayer language, the lady's eyes popped up and she said to me, oh, I didn't know that you could speak Italian. I didn't know either. She said, that's the most beautiful, pure dialect of Italian I've ever heard in my life. And she said, you were talking about God, how amazing he is, how wonderful he is. And she said, it was so beautiful. So there are times that it happens like that. Uh, but don't try to figure it out with your mind. Number four, prayer language is vocal. It's vocal. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I do not understand what I'm saying. Well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit, in my prayer language. And I'll also pray in words that I understand in English. I will sing in the spirit. I'll sing in Holy Spirit. And I'll also sing in words I don't understand. I'll sing in words I understand. The prerequisite here is that you have to speak. You have to speak. I've started praying for people, and it's sort of like they're standing, and they're just sort of like, okay, do it to me. I'm not the baptizer. And Holy Spirit is not going to reach in there and grab your tongue and pull it out and flop it up and down and, and make you say something. No. There's a speaking, a faith element of speaking that you speak. That's the prerequisite. It's not just getting quiet. You say, well, after I pray about this, then what should I do? Listen to what the Spirit has given you. They spake in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. How do I speak English? Into my mind, I'm thinking what I want to say. And then from that, from that, I begin to formulate the utterance that I need. But it comes from what I'm seeing in here, what I'm understanding. So when I'm praying for my prayer language, there will come sounds Maybe baby talk, it sounds like utterances. And then by faith, he's expecting me to begin speaking that. You say, but I don't know if that really is. But remember, Jesus said, if an earthly father won't give you bad, if you ask for Holy Spirit, I'm not going to give you something. You just need by faith to begin speaking. Start praising him in English or Spanish or whatever it is. And then as he gives that to you, just begin by faith speaking what he has. You say, well, it doesn't sound like somebody else's. I heard, I heard, I mean, I heard Pastor Tim. He sounds like an eloquent person. I mean, it sounds like the most beautiful Spanish Greek I've ever heard in my life. Good for him. Yeah. You're not him. And you see, you don't immediately start off. You don't immediately start off. I took Spanish in college. It's the only course I ever failed in my life. <laughs> but next semester, I found a teaching assistant that was good looking. And... Uh, she gave me after hours, sorry, I better say this right. She gave me, <laughs> what do you call it when you tutored? She tutored me. 
And so I, I passed. It's the only thing I ever failed in my life. But when I first started, I, I, I couldn't do a lot. But as you practice, you did, as a baby, you didn't immediately start out and say, hey, mom, give me a taco. It was more like baby gibberish, right? But isn't it amazing how moms can understand gibberish? What do you think of gibberish? Isn't it amazing that your heavenly father can understand because it's the Holy Spirit that's praying with you and through you to empower you. If you believe that today, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Number five, when using my prayer language, the spirit prays and my spirit prays. Verse two says, for you have the ability to speak in tongues. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do that. I'm speaking. You'll be talking to God since people won't understand you. But you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit. And that's mysterious. So he's saying, yeah, you're doing the talking, but it's the Holy Spirit that's given you the empowerment to do that. And then number six, Paul assumes everyone can have a prayer language. Paul assumes everyone can have a prayer language. People say, well, do I, do I have to speak in tongues to know that I'm filled with the Spirit? Have to. What's that word? I mean, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different things about being filled with the Spirit. But if it's going to help you, empower you, give you power, why would it be a have to? Paul assumes that everyone can have a prayer language. It's, that's a Christian. That's a believer. 1 Corinthians 14 and 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. He never says, I wish that all of you would have the gift of discernment. He doesn't say, I wish all of you had the gift of whatever else of the gifts. But he simply says, hey, Corinthian church, you've been abusing this thing. But I really wish that you all had a prayer language that you prayed in. And then in 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's not talking about in the corporate service. He's talking about in his prayer time. If you were to go to Paul and say, Paul, how were you able to do all the things that you did? He would say, well, it's not me. I learned a long time ago that I'm weak, but I pray in the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray today for a couple of things. First of all, I want to pray for those of us that are believers. And maybe you've been neglecting your personal prayer language. Maybe you've gotten so busy that you don't spend time praying in your prayer language and listening to what God would say. But today the Lord is stirring up your heart, saying today is the day. Begin spending time praying in that language that he gives you. I really believe that there are several of us. I mean, I've got to personally say that I guess this teaching was for me as much as it was for you. But the Lord was reminding me I need to take more time to pray in my prayer language and build myself up and be led by the Spirit. Pray mysteries that can be understood through Holy Spirit. 
So what I'm going to ask, first of all, is those of you who would simply say, I want to receive my prayer language. I'm a believer. Or I want to be filled again. Paul said, be you continually being filled with the Spirit. Be continually being filled, continually being filled, continually being filled. You know, sometimes the oil in your transmission can wear out because you use it so much. You got to check the oil and make sure you put more oil. Maybe today Holy Spirit is saying, um, you need to be refilled. You need to be refilled. If you're here today or you're watching online and you say, Terry, i really like for you to pray for me today because I would really want to move in deeper into my prayer language and receiving what God has for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're sitting? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Such honesty today. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, you told the disciples, you said to wait into Jerusalem until they'd be filled with power. There on the day of Pentecost, they spoke languages that people understood. But then throughout the book of Acts, many times they spoke a language and it wasn't about understanding. It was about magnifying you. So Lord, we just come today and we pray that you would stir up within us the desire to spend more time with you praying in our prayer language. I pray for those that are here today that have never received their prayer language or they've started and they didn't continue. And the enemies lied to them, told them they're just making it up and it's just for other people. Lord, would you create a hunger? And in their personal prayer this afternoon or tomorrow, maybe when they're driving down the road, would you fill them afresh with your spirit? And Lord, would you fill this church afresh with your spirit? We're depending on you. We need you. As you continue to pray today, I also want to pray for those of you today that maybe you're like a blind man. You just say, you know what? My life seems blind. I can't see any direction in my life. I'm lost without Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit not only empowers us for service, but he also comes and he draws us to Jesus. So I just sense today that maybe the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Jesus and he's saying, you need Jesus today. You need Jesus. I mean, if you were to die today, you're not sure where you'd go and spend eternity. Now you can, you can say, well, I'm not sure I really believe in God and all that, but you can't get away from that emptiness in your spirit right now where the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm drawing you to Jesus. I'm pointing you to Jesus. He's the answer. He's the answer. Jesus came to this world, lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins and my sins, that as many as call upon him could be saved. So if you're here today and you say, you know what? I need forgiveness for my sins. I need a purpose for living. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, you say, you know, today I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Or for the very first time, I need to surrender my heart to him. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Others today. Thank you. Others today. Thank you. Thank you here. Thank you. Others. Just lift your hand. Let me pray with you. Those of you watching online, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me lead you in a prayer. We can pray this prayer together. Father God, Father God thank, you today thank you today for sending your son Jesus, your son Jesus 
to die for my sins. I repent of my sins and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and Lord. I ask you to fill me with your spirit as best as I know how. I want to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.